Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by my friend and legendary boxing trainer, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. Um, how you feeling after you did your half marathon? You won. You put another another um, notch on the belt. You won a half marathon, I understand, in Florida over the weekend. I'm going to assume that you use that as sort of a training tool or device um, for the Tokyo Marathon. Would I be correct in assuming that? You are always correct, Teddy. No one knows training better than you do. That's exactly what I did. Wasn't my fastest time, but as you just pointed out, it was in the middle of a huge training block for Tokyo. So I was, um, I mean, I went out there and emptied the tank. I ran as absolutely hard as I could. I ran like 111.58 or 59, just under 112. My best time was 110.30-ish. So um, I was not not far off my best time, but coming off of huge training mileage, I was super happy. And um, it's also very difficult and I don't mean this to sound arrogant at all. It's just very difficult when you're way out ahead by yourself to push yourself to such an uncomfortable level to get a personal best. I won by 15 minutes. So it, it, it's very, it, unless someone's pressing you the whole time, just like a fighter, sometimes when they are in a, when they're overmatched, they don't look as good as they do when they're in tough and they got to dig deep. It gives them an opportunity to show all their skills. So it was like that. But I, I do want to say that, as far as I'm concerned, a win for me is a win for all of us, not just us at the fight, but all of our fans. I think that at least I tell myself this when I'm doing this stuff is that I represent more than just myself, my kids, my family, my team here at the fight and the fans. I love it. Uh, I just I, I don't have to tell you, Teddy, but sometimes you realize when you're doing this stuff, it's bigger than you, whether it's true or not. That's the story I tell myself. And that's the kind of the, the standard that I try to live up to is that I'm representing more than just me. Well, that's when you get a higher standard, because to me, it should always be an attachment beyond yourself. I mean, uh, if you're I remember years ago, there was a carpenter that came into our home and um, he didn't get it done the way my wife liked it and she said something and we could not get rid of the guy i thought he was going to move in he didn't want any more money <laughs> but he would not leave i was like elaine tell me he's great get him the freak out of here. <laughs> i mean like he would not he stayed an extra week just to get it exactly right without any money matter of fact he wanted to give the money back and i was like listen this is getting a little crazy and he said i want you to be happy he said i represent my father my father was a carpenter uh i think he i'm trying to remember i think he was from ireland um ireland or somewhere in europe and he said i learned under my father and i want you to be satisfied and you know, at the end of the day, you know, we got rid of him, thank God. But but it was, listen, he did marvelous work. There was just a matter of Elaine wanting a certain thing cut a certain way. But the 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 whole thing that I'm, the, the whole purpose of the story is that he, there was an attachment to more than him. It wasn't just about the money. It wasn't just about getting the job done and getting the hell out of there. It was about not not disappointing the standard that his father had set for him. 
that not living below that that you know that uh, that he was connected you know to just the pride that he was connected to what his father had taught him to to the trade um and that he had an obligation to live up to that to make sure that the customer was satisfied and and I just believe that in, in everything in life that if you're connected to something you know I I think that when you look at this great MMA fighter that's retired, UFC fighter that retired, Khabib, maybe the greatest of all time, definitely one of the greatest of all time. He he was connected, every time he fought, he was connected to what his father taught him, yeah. to what his father expected from him. Matter of fact, he retired after his father died. His mother told him that he had to, and he did. But the point is, he was connected, I think, to that region of the world, to, to, to his, maybe to his city, to his little town, to that area, to a cold that they live by, to a cold that they adhere to, to a cold that they aspire to, a, a code of conduct, a code of the warrior, of behavior, that, that he had to live up to that, that he, that he had. And, and I've seen that through the annals of time with other fighters where you know they'll be fighting for more than themselves i think pacquiao was one of those guys where when he was fighting he couldn't lose he couldn't disappoint you know in his perform he might lose but his effort couldn't be less than it had to be a great 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 effort because he was attached to the people of the philippines where there was so many people that their hope was attached to him, to to what he did, and and I think that 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 was always with him, with people like him, you know, with uh, maybe in some ways, you know, with with a Canelo, uh, maybe to a certain extent, with the connection to the history of the great Mexican fighters um, in his country, where he comes from. But again, the point to what you wrote out is that when we can do things that are attached to something greater than only ourselves, beyond ourselves, then we start to move into an area where we can be better than we normally would be. That we, can, that we have something that's pushing us beyond, the, beyond our own, you know, the things that push us for money or for, you know, success for pride but be even beyond that yeah. and i i think that i i think you see it all around you if you look deep enough where there's special people in the history of this world that have done special things have felt those connections beyond themselves and anyway i'm glad that you got let me ask you something is the is it the smartest thing to do and I'm not being a wise guy here, but would everybody be doing using a half marathon in the middle of training for a full marathon in Tokyo? Would everyone be using that if they could, or is that that of sort of a thing that's not recommended yeah, or not usually done? No, that's a good question. My typical training would look like either there's a big workout on Wednesday that might be on a Wednesday that might look like something like eight by one mile repeat. So 
one mile, pretty much all out, like a low five minutes, so like 5.15 pace. Then I recover for a minute of jogging, walking, and then I'll hit that eight times. And then on Saturday, typically, it'll be a 20-mile workout where it looks like something like five-mile warm-up, five-mile race pace, five-mile at six-minute pace, five-mile race pace. So you're getting two big workout days, or it might be a smaller workout on Tuesday and Thursday, and then a hard workout on Saturday. So to, to work in a race, a 13 mile race makes a lot of sense in the course of a marathon buildup because it's rare that you're going to run 13 miles as absolutely hard as you can. And then, so then at the marathon, you're running 13 miles the first half, just a couple steps slower than that. So it's not completely foreign and uncomfortable to be like that far out over your skis in terms of exertion. But to, to finish up on the point you were making is, you know, look, we, we all have our own identities in the world, like as fathers, husbands, etc. But it's no secret that being affiliated and associated with you and Rob and the podcast, that that's how a lot of people in the public eye see me. They're like, oh, even when my friends are introducing me, hey, this is Ken. He has the podcast with Teddy Atlas. It's not lost on me that I represent our team when I'm out in the wild, so to speak. And uh so yeah, that that added um, not pressure, but responsibility is uh, um, has helped me in more ways than I can say. So thank you to you guys, to you, to Rob for um, allowing me again to be part of this because it's helped me raise my game and 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 elevate my life in ways that I never imagined, including being lucky enough to be here at uh, Jesse Itzler's house in Atlanta. For those who don't know, he is uh, married to Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, two of the nicest people in the world. They're part of the owners of the Atlanta Hawks. And they were kind enough to let me stay here with them. And that's why I'm in Jesse's um, studio here recording today. But, um, you know, this is all part of the same, all tied together. It's like being part of the podcast, running. It's like, just, if you just, you get back, from the world exactly what you put into the world. And it's uh, never been more evident to me in the last few months and weeks than it has recently. It's just, I've been getting back what I've been given out, which is hopefully just kindness and uh, understanding and generosity. And, and, and the gifts I've received as a result have been immense and incredible. And uh, so thank you again. You used the word before, the right word, responsibility. I, you know, it's funny, like we'll do promotions for, for Athletic Greens, which obviously is a very good product. We do the real thing. We don't promote it unless we use it, unless we think it's it's real, it's good. So it's a real product, and it's important. It, it helps you in the nutriment world uh, to get extra, the proper nutriment that you need uh, for anything in, in the world to be, you know, to be a little better, um, to be on your game. But especially if you're, an elite athlete, it's, it's even more helpful with the proper products like that. But the word responsibility, that's a product that's not used enough. <laughs> and that's one thats one that doesn't get promoted. That's one that's not for sale in the stores. <laughs> and that's one that's available to everybody. That Get a little responsibility in your freaking life. Because you know what? It'll freaking help you. Yeah, the athletic dreams will help you too. But a little responsibility in more people's lives out there in our country right now would, would go a damn long way in helping those people get to a further place, get to a better place, get to the right place, just being responsible for something instead of having no responsibility, no accountability. Okay, I said my piece, let's get to football. Now, 
Hold on. Before you do, while you're talking Athletic Greens, please go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas and take advantage of a special offer for our listeners. Ten free travel packs with your first purchase. Athletic Greens is the all-in-one green drink, multivitamin. It's the only supplement you need. People ask me all the time, if you only could take one supplement because I take a lot, which would it be? And I say Athletic Greens. It's whole 75 whole food sourced ingredients. It's got anti uh, probiotics, prebiotics, multivitamins, everything that you need. One stop shop. Mix it with a little bit of water in the morning. Drink it down. It tastes great. It's easy to use. And the travel packs are invaluable for when you uh, are on the road if you happen to travel a lot. So go to athleticgreens.com/atlas to take advantage of the special offer. And it also helps the show. So if you enjoy the show, treat yourself to some Athletic Greens. Help us help you. Let's talk football, Teddy. Great. Second game was great. First game, not so great. Let's start with Philly. All right. First of all, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they, you know, they wound up winning, you know, with, with a, uh, I mean, it was a blowout, but against the 49ers, but it was, it was sad. It was tough because the 49ers, even though I'm, I'm going to use something that would normally be attached to a team that's named after a bird, but the 49ers, they basically became a bird with no wings. I mean, they could, they, birds aren't supposed to walk. They had one and, hammer, though, in Christian McCaffrey. Holy cow, is that guy a yeah, football they player? Did. Yeah, he is. He's the complete package. But it was, I mean, you need a quarterback. 100%. And, I mean, they started with their third string quarterback who, who was becoming a Cinderella story. He was terrific. The last guy drafted in last year's, uh, this past year's. Yeah, Mr. Irrelevant, and, and he's doing terrific. And then he gets hurt. His wing, uh, again, <laughs> st- staying with these analogies. He gets his wing his, clipped. His, his wing gets he clipped. He must have been really right? hurt, though, by the way, because as I was watching the game with some guys, we were like, he's got to get in. This is it. This is the, for all the marbles. He yeah, has to go. He, and I, and I, he came in, but I, he couldn't throw. And I said, if this guy could throw, he'd be in there. He must have a really bad injury. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So he's... So now they go to their fourth-string quarterback. Nobody wants to go to their fourth-string quarterback, right? Understandably, and, after watching. Yeah, right? A hundred percent. My son said, oh, they're, they're in trouble. My son texts me immediately uh, from California because he was out there scouting the the uh, NFLPA's uh, All-Star game. He's working for them, and he was out there scouting that. So he texts me right away, oh, this is over. I said, what, was this guy bad? He goes, yeah, we had him, we had him uh, years ago in in Oakland, and he's bad. So and bad they were ready to use Christian McCaffrey as their fourth, yeah, as their fifth string well, quarterback. Yeah, unfortunately, he got concussed. The poor guy, yeah. so he's out because of the concussion protocol. He his head hit the hit the you know hit the mat. I was going to say everything's <laughs> boxing to me, but but hit the hit the ground, and then so he's out. And then I mean they're just done. So. What I'm, the analogy I would use in getting ready for the next game and getting ready for the Super Bowl and setting this whole thing up is that the Eagles, to me, of course they look terrific. But to me, and maybe they look like the anointed one. Maybe they look like this is their year. This is the year that the Eagles fly. Maybe that's it. But they also, I look at everything through the lens of a, of a fight. And they, they're that fighter that hasn't really been tested. <laughs> they're that fighter Very that has had... Uh, uh, easier, easier schedule than the other fighter that they're gonna fight, and sometimes we know what that can lead to. 
That can lead to problems um, when you finally do get tested. And Kansas City's been tested. They're that fighter oh, that's yeah. been tested. Yeah. They've been in with everyone, and they have to experience. They've been on a big stage. They've been on the spotlight. They've won the Super Bowl. Their quarterback's been there before, you know. And so they have to experience. They have to record that is maybe more legitimate, if you will, as far as having fought and beating the better fighters, the better teams. Um, but the Eagles look damn good. As far as the Kansas City game, you know, I have to say, I, I tear the crap out of the boxing officials, and they deserve to have the crap t torn out of them. They gizzards torn out, everything torn out because of the way they behave, because of how inept they are sometimes and how corrupt they make you think they are at times and there's and my sport unfortunately has a history of corruption so you look at that but man ken are you on board with me these refs have to get better in the nfl uh really they have are to you get on... better but that last call they the uh, guy no no the, the sins, last call i yeah, get it i get it guy, man. You stupid you no stupid but can't. i'm talking about leading up to that there was some calls oh, some in that game that were really that really that really they were i thought they were bad but they touched the game they influenced the game. Seems like with the use of replay, we should be able to avoid this at this point. Like there should be another I'm team of you. officials watching and be able to overrule them after getting a second look. Why not? Something. Take a second There's look. There's a lot of money Over, involved. I mean, it's a billion dollar call. business. I, exactly. You, you have 20 guys looking at it. Be like, hold at on. At the end of the Time game, out. the play, the thing that really was, that made me feel bad as a sports fan, because you want to see it won or lost in a ring or on the field, right, Ken? Yeah, exactly. And, and to see that player, one of the stupidest, stupidest, stupidest penalties you're ever going to get, that he pushes Mahomes when he's already out of bounds. I, and he I, had 15 I, yards onto it. Gave it away. Now, and he made the field goal by like one gave, yard. Barely made well, it over. A little, Yeah, maybe a few more than one yard. But yeah, Apparently it not looked 15. like... No, according to Tony Romo, who was who, who he said it, he said it only made it by about six, seven yards. Now, if you move it back fifteen yards, even with me, who was never that good at math, <laughs> I think I could calculate that <laughs> that he might have come up short. Now, look, he might have put a bev better, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, but still, it would have been damn harder in that cold weather in Kansas City from fifteen yards farther out than it was where he wound up kicking it and then he kicked it through listen it was a great game great effort on both sides great quarterback oh that's what i thought it was gonna go that's where it should have went it should have been won or lost in overtime by what the players did not not by what a stupid penalty and, and again it was his fault for getting the penalty but that should not have obstructed such a great great final of a great game can't help but, but feel and, bad for the guy on the penalty because yeah you know, i did you too know it was like a bang bang play where he just in hindsight uh, was like oh what did i do Terrible. You see it all but the time, but like listen, we talk about mental errors, you gotta be yeah, mental. Mental errors. It's all. It's, it's every seventy-five percent of everything. All the fights out there, fights in life, fighting football, fighting in the cage, fighting in the ring, wherever the frick the fight is, seventy-five percent of it's mental. 
It's it's mental. And and I'll leave you with this last thing. I know it was bang, 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 and and it was in the midst of chaos. But think before you do things. <laughs> That's my lesson. That's Teddy's lesson for the day. Got All right. It. All right. Let's before go. we get into Let's the go. fights, let me say congratulations to our Philly guys, Sonny and Frank Conto. I know they listen to the show all the time, and I know they're going to be happy about the Dirty Birds going to the Super Bowl, along with my friend OT the Real, the rapper, rap legend from Philly. I'm happy for you guys. I hate the I hate the Eagles, but I'm happy for my Philly friends. What is the record? What is what is um what what is his um the heavyweights record now? Because he's a good kid. Yeah. And and his father and him make a good team. But what Yeah, give me one what's sec. Let me record? uh I'll tell you right now. Because as long as we're giving him a shout out yeah, because un- everybody in the undefe- sport listens to this. Undefeated uh, eleven and show. 0 at nine knockouts. Big Frank, the Italian st- the Bronco, sorry, I was gonna call him the Italian stallion. Sonny the Bronco Conto. From uh, I think he's from South Philly, Italian kid. Reminds me of Rocky Balboa, a little really nice kid. And his father is uh, his trainer. Great guys. He fights better than Rocky. Though. He fights. Uh, <laughs> he fights. I, I mean, I hope he, he has a good uh, a career as Rocky. Rocky ended up making a lot of money. No, Rocky. Rocky. Uh, <laughs> Like he had a good career. All right. Speaking of Rocky, uh, speaking of Rocky, I know you're a big fan of the new movie coming out, Creed, Creed Three coming out. Yeah, you know because Ben Amana, who's the he's the uh, CEO of a clothing company that I'm involved with, Box Raw. I think it's a great, it's really great great stuff. Thirty six collection from Teddy Atlas. If you're looking for some boxing gear and you want to look like the real deal, whether you are or you're not, you can. uh, you can at least look the part by getting some box raw gear from the 36 collection, Teddy Alice, 36 minutes to make life fair. Well, they make a good product, box raw. They're over in London, and they're going to move to New York. I can't wait. But uh, Ben is a good guy. He, he's the CEO and the founder of the company, and uh, they're, they're very involved in uh, with Michael B. Jordan, with, who's a tremendous actor. Yeah. They're involved with him and clothing uh Doing a lot of the clothing for that Creed Three fight um, w- uh, movie, where they're you know they're involved with their product, uh, being involved there, and Michael B. Jordan has good taste. Well, you he, know that um, everyone's gonna look good in the film if Box Raw's outfit, and they make great stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna go the February twenty eighth. There's a I was telling you guys about it. And that's what you're talking about. There's a premiere for the Creed Three in New York. And we're going to go over there and we're going to be with Ben and, you know, support him and Excellent. see see that great product, uh, Box Raw, out there in the, uh, in the movie. Nice. So, well, speaking of boxing, Teddy, let's get into it. One of the best heavyweights in the world, arguably number one or two, Otter Better Biev in, in action against Anthony Yard from London. Uh, or from England, I think it was in. I think the fight was in London, but it was definitely yeah, it was in, in London. All right, so uh, better BF gets the stoppage in the eighth round. Interesting it. scorecards, um, and I, I'm I'm dying to hear your take on this. Not one. interesting. Stop. Listen, we're, uh, stop sugarcoating it. The, uh, these these judges were ready to do some hometown cooking, whatever you want to freaking call it. Uh, it. It wasn't right. It wasn't right. There's no way that going into the eighth round that. That anyone should have had yard A up five rounds to two. 100%. I had it. 100%. I had it four to three. 
I had a four to three in favor of Better Be. If it was a competitive fight, which I thought it would be, but please, five to two in place uh, in favor of the hometown guy Yarda, it's not right. It's not right. I, I agree with you hundred percent. But one of the things I'm curious about, I and was... their fingerprints, their fingerprints all over it again. It's like they they get ready to commit a crime. You know what I mean? It's like they were getting ready to commit a crime, and and they never got they never got. They got, never got the chance to commit the crime, but they were getting ready to commit a crime. But you know what? We talk about this as an old thing in boxing and, and better be of lives by this. Uh, bring, bring your own judge and jury, <laughs> your two fists, right? And better be of, he brings his own judge and jury. And, and because of that, you know, they never got a chance to rob if that's what they were trying, because it looked like they were trying to rob them. Yeah, one quick thing, Teddy. I said heavyweight. Obviously, I meant light heavyweight. Apologies. Yeah, light Thank you to our producer extraordinaire, Rob, for pointing it out. I know the fans were probably like, this idiot said heavyweight. I'm sorry, guys. I meant light heavyweight. Sometimes I get excited and say things a little too fast. But nevertheless, I'm curious to get your thoughts here, because I thought that Yare was hitting him a lot more than I was expecting him, and I thought better Biev was easier to hit than I'd seen. He's not necessarily the most elusive guy and relies heavily on his chin from what I've seen in the past. He's not, he doesn't shy away from getting, he doesn't shy away from getting cracked. He's just got a granite chin, and when he gets you, he hurts you, and once he started getting to yard, it was the beginning of the end. As soon as he started touching him in those later rounds, like after maybe fifth, sixth rounds, he started to put it on him. And then once he did, you could even see yards corner eventually stop the fight in the eighth round. But yeah, refs had two of, uh, sorry, the judges, two of the three judges had Yarde up going into the um, eighth round, which I agree with you was crazy. Not surprising though. I, nothing surprises me in boxing, Teddy. Nothing. If they had Yarde winning every round, I'd be like, oh, well, it's boxing. We would just come to expect Yeah, but that's that. wrong. I, I agree. That's wrong. I agree. Uh, that's wrong, and it's wrong in the world now. I see people in my city that I love in New York City that I watch it on the news. I don't even want to watch the news. That, that they see some coward, some doing a horrendous act to some other human being, and they walk by like they didn't see it. So, And then people say to me, oh, they become numb to it. Numb to it. Not... You're numb to what? To being a human being? To having humanity? To knowing the difference between humanity and, and a lack of humanity? Caring for your fellow human being? What's right and wrong? Are you kidding me? We should never get numb in those areas. We should never freaking say, well, that's, you know, just shrug our shoulders in those areas. Never. Agreed. And that's what's starting to happen. That's what's starting to happen in this world. And that's scary. That's scary, people. We can't let that happen. We can't point, let that that's happen. That's what's happening in boxing. And, no and, and it happens in boxing. No and it shouldn't happen. And Ken brought it up just now. And I'm glad he did. Because that has, it's beyond what's, that has been happening for years now in boxing. And it's wrong. It's wrong to just say at the end of a terrible, well, that's boxing. What do you expect? No, no, let's change it. Let's do something. Then somehow, let's do something. That's not say it, it's just what it is and shrug our shoulders that's not succumb to that kind of attitude let's not do that because when we do that we all lose we all lose when we stop caring about things that we should always care about right and wrong yep well curious what did you think do you think uh, to me 
I don't know if Better Beal was fighting to the level of the competition. Maybe he wasn't up for this fight, but I didn't think he looked that good until he got the stoppage when he started putting it on Yarde and landing shots. Oh, what was it Yarde, Ken? Yeah. Was it Yarde looking better than you expected? That's exactly what I want to know from you because I don't know. Like I, when I watch it, I'm like, wow, is Yarde better or is Better Beal slipping? I, I defer to the expert. What do we know? What do you know, Teddy? What happened? A little bit of both. I predicted before the fight... And I put it out there in the tweets before the fight. And we're getting a lot of activity on, on these tweets. A lot. And to Ian and Rob and to Brennan, all my Twitter people, um, thank you. Part of the team. It always, everything takes a team. Even, even if you were doing the show by yourself, it takes a lot of people to make things work. They are the best. And um, we got a lot of, we, we, we get a lot of traffic on our tweets. And the People respond to it, and they appreciate it, and I appreciate that. And so we try to always be there for them and not disappoint them for all the fights and work them. I said before the fight, I expected a tough fight early on. Uh, Better be if it's not the fastest starter in the world. Um, he's not the hardest guy to find, as you were alluding to. Yarde has his ability. Uh, he's a big, big light heavyweight, maybe too big. He, he, I don't know how he makes the weight, but he's a huge light heavyweight. He's very physically strong, and he's a good puncher. And, you know, he's got experience. He's been around. He fought Sergei Kovalev. He got beat by him. He had Sergei Kovalev out. He had him really hurt, and then Kovalev came back and, and wound up stopping him late in that fight for his first loss. Then his second loss, he lost to an undefeated fighter in a, in a decision. So... He's he was he was not just a token win or token guy. This is a guy. I think it was the mandatory, but this is a guy who deserved to be the mandatory. Which most of these mandatories, they're not deserving. Unfortunately, they're they're because of political maneuvering, political purpose uh, that they're put there. But Yarde was real. The problem with Yarde is that he had dissipate late. If you make him dissipate late, and guess what? Better be of the guy that's going to make you dissipate late because better be of the guy, he's kind of like the flame on that stove that's boiling in that water. You know, if you, if you get that flame hot enough and you keep it on that stove with that pot of water, sooner or later that pot of water is going to go away. But if the flame's not hot enough, that pot of water is going to hang around. Well, better be of... Uh, to his credit, he doesn't let the pot of water hang around usually. You know, was he 19 and 0 now, or 20 and 0 with 20 knockouts, or 19 and 0 with 19 knockouts? Whatever it is, he's he's got a 100% knockout uh, record ratio uh, for for his you know every fight he's he's won by knockout. He's a guy that you're you got to beat him. He ain't gonna beat himself. You gotta you gotta bring it. You gotta bring your lunch. All those old phrases and axioms. You you need them all. Uh, you're, you're going to be there all day. And as I said, I had put out there in the tweets, and even before that, where... 19 and 0 I, with 19 knockouts, sorry. Uh, where I thought Yarde could hurt him early because better be of starts slowly. He could hurt him, get his attention, shake him up early, and then better be of would have to get to him late. Um and it would be a it would be a, a a contested fight and a good fight, and it was. And better be of to your question earlier, 
where I said it's a matter of both. Yard being better than you think and better be of sliding. Better be was 38 years old. He had over 300 amateur fights. He fought the best in the world for years. He's been in a bunch of wars in the pros. He, he's, he's getting older, and it's showing. It's starting to show. Definitely starting to show a little bit. It's sliding. But the one thing that don't get old is character. Character and power. Ask George Foreman, ask me about that. George Foreman to tell you, yeah, and he'll show you. And he proved, and he lived it, that power, it stays around. And character stays around. And that's better be of. He's getting old. His body's getting old. His reflexes are getting slow. Everything else, and he's a little easier to find now. And his skin cuts up easier and breaks easier now than it did before. But his character, that, that's, that's eternal. That, that doesn't dissipate with age. That doesn't disappear. That doesn't get boiled away on a pot. And that's what he won by. Matter of fact, I'll make it real simple. I'll break the fight down. But I'll tell you, really what it all is about, in a nutshell, is what my mentor, Customato, for eight years when, when I was up there with him, being forged, first as a fighter, then as a trainer by this man. We had commandments. We, we had laws. We had codes to live by, to train by, um, to be a great fighter, to be a great trainer. And one of the things that he used to repeat to me over and over, and it was one of the first, amend, uh, first commandments, if you would, when it comes to being understanding how to develop a great fighter and what it takes to be a great fighter. He used to always say over and over to me, Teddy, will, when there's a battle, when there's a battle going on with two men with comparable skills, that at the end of the day, the man with the greater will will always triumph. Will will always beat out skill Unless one man's will, unless one man's skill is so far superior that his will is never really tested. And that's what this fight was all about. It, it was, forget about everything else. And you're not going to hear it anywhere else. But yeah, the skill, the counter, this, that counter left took by, all that stuff, this, the jabs were important, all that. At the end of the day, this fight was won because better be of had the greater will that he broke down. It took eight rounds, but he broke down Yarde physically and mentally. And it was a terrific fight. And I give Yarde credit and everything. But I'm going to point out everything. Things that other people ain't going to point out because they don't know or they don't want to or they just can't. Whatever it is. But... First of all, from the easy way, from the physical standpoints, the jab was very important in this fight for both fighters. For Yard A to keep separation so he could create counter punches uh, when Better Beef came forward. And for Better Beef, the jab was important to give him cover when he does come forward. You know, to uh, kind of like uh, having a smoke screen as you come forward, you know, to block the guy's vision a little bit, make it harder for him to take pot shots at you, put bugs on the windshield, like I used to say when I was calling them fights, uh, when, when you're using your jab 
to press forward. So the jab was very important. And Yarde early on, I gave him the first two rounds, and he was able to use his counter left hook. He was able to do some good scoring. He was able to use his legs enough to keep that separation, to keep Better Beer from being set to deliver those powerful shots. And then Better Beer caught Yarde at the end of the third with a good left hook, and he won that round. It was two to one. I I had to fight. It was going back and forth. I had to fight, as I said at the top of the show, four to three after seven, going into the eighth round. But the fight for better beef, it's it's in total. And what I mean by that, it's the total sum of parts with him in a real way. It's it's the pressure that he brings round after round that takes time. You, that's why I, I tweeted that Yardi had given trouble early because better be if with his style, with his abilities, with his talents, uh, it takes time to get to you. It gets time to warm the engine up. It gets time, as I said earlier, with the metaphor of having that flame boil the water and to get rid of the water. It takes time. A fighter is like a puddle outside in the middle of July and the sun starts to evaporate the puddle right in front of your eyes. And you look at the puddle and then an hour later the puddle's gone. That the sun has, you know, just evaporated, as I said. That's better beef. He evaporates you. And it takes time to do that. And it took him eight rounds to do that. And I'll tell you, there was some funny stuff going on there that I'd like to understand a little better. One thing was, first of all, how he dropped him. Early in eighth round, better be of just missed. If I was commentating, I would have said this. He just missed by, by a hair. He just missed a beautiful short right hand. He throws beautiful short right hand sometimes. He just missed it, landing it clean on... Yarde. Yarde was starting to drop his left hand to throw a lead left uppercut, which is very dangerous. Very dangerous because you expose yourself. And better be of saw it and he tried to he tried to shoot the right hand in that gap and he just didn't quite time it perfect, but it went into the computer. See, better be of his a terminator. Better be of his that terminator. You know, that remember Arnold Schwarzenegger and the ter- terminator. He 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 calculates. He calculates right away. The red lines go out and then the crossing red lines, you know, they go all different directions. And he starts to see where your weakness is. He saw that. He saw that in the in the in the eighth round. And he and he compute he put it in his computer. And then later in the eighth round, he saw it again. He was looking for it. He saw the left hand of Yarde start to bang. This time he didn't miss. The right hand, perfect. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful thing. Beautiful timed, placed right hand as the left hand was dropping for the uppercut. So well done. And it drops him. Fight's over, basically. But here's the, here's the kick again. Nobody picked up on. Yade gets up, goes over to his corner, stumbles a little bit, goes over to his corner, and he says something to his corner. He, he he said something to, to the trainer at the bottom of the steps. I don't know what he said. 
I don't know what he said, but he said something. And then the fight resumes. He gets hurt again, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, the trainer, and I'm not saying he was wrong, but the trainer jumps up. Some people thought it was a little quick. I didn't think it was. But the, but the, all of a sudden, the trainer jumps up and stops the fight, right? I'm thinking, again, that's me, but I look at everything. I'm thinking, Ken, wait a minute. What did, what did Mr. Yarde say to his trainer three seconds earlier or yeah. four seconds earlier? What did he say? Did he say stop it? Did he? I don't know. I'm not saying I know. I don't know. I'm telling you, I don't know. But I know he said something. And then I know seconds later, if the, you know, after Better Beef goes in there to finish the job, he, he gets up and he stops the fight. And the referee sees that he's stopping a fight, and the referee, of course, you know, does what the corner compli- you know, complies him to do, stops the fight. And so that's just an added little thing in there that I'm curious about. But at the end of the day, what I'm not curious about is better be if I know what better be if is. He's the Terminator, and the you know he's he's getting older. Remember Arnold in the, in the, in the, the comeback of the Terminator when he was older? He's getting older. You know, he's still a Terminator, but he's, he's, he's getting older now. And there's, there's a problem. There's another term. We'll talk about it when you're ready. But there's another Terminator out there named Beevil. And, and Beevil's a different Terminator. Do you remember the more advantaged prototype of Terminator, the one that could turn into, turn into liquid metal? You remember <laughs> yeah. that one, Ken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the advanced prototype Terminator, right? <laughs> yeah, that's Bevel. <laughs> that's Bevel. Bevel, Bevel, whatever you call him. Uh, it don't matter uh, because he can fight. He can fight, but he's more advanced because he's technically better and more advanced than the first Terminator, the original Term- Terminator. Bevel, uh, better BF. He's more advanced than better BF. But there's one thing, there's one thing that all the Terminators have. And that's the thing that this fight was all about, that I started this about. Will. 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 And see, that's the problem. That's the problem when he fights Bevel. Bevel has skill. He's more advanced. He's more sophisticated. And he's also got will. He's also got that will that Better Beef has. He also has that code of behavior, of conduct, of of combat that Better Beef carries around, that pride, that what we were talking about at the onset of the show, that 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 responsibility to more than himself, to, to his people, to people that that will look at what he does, that that will that it matters to him what he does in a ring, the way that it presents him to those people, to, to, to that past, to that history, to that town, to his parents, to, to whatever it is. There's a responsibility beyond himself. That makes him dangerous. That makes Bivol more than just a cute boxer, more than just a cutie in there, like the old times. That guy's a cutie. That's what they meant. They was slick. And but he's got that part too. And that's what's gonna make a nightmare 
and I'll get into it more when you're ready uh, for for that fight with Better Be of to project that, you know, uh, in advance because sooner or later it's going to happen, I guess, or people would like it to happen. But Canelo is out there, and of course, people can make more money with Canelo. So we, uh, who knows what's going to happen and, and when it happened? But you you would hope it happens, and you would hope it doesn't happen too long because at 38 years of age, like I said. Uh, better be if he's not getting younger. But um, and and to finish up, Yade, good job, kudos to you. Um, you know, but he did get broken down. You know, and at the end of the day, those judges, I wish Yade and Better Be have showed nothing but class at the end of the fight and character. They showed nothing but class. You know, the way they act, the way they talk. And and Better Beef talks like a warrior. He talks like a samurai. He he really does. You know, he very humble, very serious, very honest. I mean, just just no junk. No junk at all. I mean, matter of fact, I mean, uh, when they asked him a question, he, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you expect to yourself? I want to be a better boxer someday. Wow! I thought his wow. interview at was this, incredible. At, at, at his stage, at this stage in your career, that's what you say. What? Wow! I mean, what a representation of what a warrior is supposed to be like inside and outside the ring. And again, Yarde, credit nothing but class. I just wish that the judges had that kind of class. I wish the judges had that kind of character. I really do, Ken. But they don't. They don't. And a couple things to clean up here before I just hand it off to you is that, well, Yardy, I want to make a note, I want to give him his props, that he showed, obviously early on, that he had the talent, which I knew he did. He had the physical talent to hang in there with better beer, which he did. But more importantly, when the hood got raised in a car that I talk about a lot of time, he showed that there was something under the hood, that there was a carburetor there with, with, with heart and, and, you know, it wasn't just all about horsepower. That that there was <laughs> there was something else there. He he showed that for the first seven rounds, and um. But then he started to crack, and he spit his mouthpiece out a couple times, or he lost his mouthpiece. He was looking to get right there. It showed you the cracks. Right there, it showed you better beef. You know that he was starting to get to him. That that he was looking. He was looking to keep this beast to keep this beast off him a little bit and to buy some time, losing, you know, losing the mouthpiece. So the cracks started to show. They started to show. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, I made a note so I don't forget. Boxing, matter of fact, I, it's funny. I, I made a, uh, a note to myself. I said, boxing is like a card game. A royal flush beats a full house. Character beats talent every time. And um, that's what I opened up about. And, you know, obviously that's that's what I'm sticking to. And one other thing. Early on, the commentator said that Yardi... And uh, did you catch this, Ken? It just... I don't know. Uh, early on, the commentator says, 
Yare is all about smoke and mirrors. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I thought that left hook looked like it was more than smoke. That that left hook looked pretty real to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It looked pretty me. I mean, really, it looked pretty real to me because obviously you're intimating that he's not real. <laughs> but that left hook looked kind of real. And um, again, another great crowd across the pond with, with our great, great, great British brothers and sisters. Those British fans, they're, they're unbelievable. They come out. And I have one more little, whatever you want to call it, uh, thing I got to get out of my shoe, like a little stone that's bothering me. The ring announcers, I mean, come on. This ring announcer was stealing other signature calls. I see these ring announcers doing this every week. Like, can they just be original, please? Can they just stop? I, I, I mean, I guess everyone needs a catchy signature phrase, Ken, but I got one. How's this? You ready? You ready for mine? You ready for Teddy Atlas's uh, coming right here from the fight with with Teddy Atlas and Ken Rideout? Are you ready for my my signature call? How about ring the damn bell? <laughs> How about that? Instead of all this freaking crap, you know what I mean? That that they just one after another. It's gotten to the point. Like I said, they're stealing these other phrases, like. I mean, stop already. I mean, stop. You know, that great comedian, that great comedian, um, what's his name? Sebastian Maniscalco. Maniscalco, yeah. Maniscalco. Yeah, where he says, (laughs) where he says, he goes, uh, say it, Ken, say it. Uh, Are you embarrassed? Yeah, there it is. There it is. Come on. Um, One thing I will say about the comments. And one other thing. I know that they love to make these video pieces, Ken. You know, they love to make them. But when you have a guy who's just a writer, he hasn't done any fighting in his life, and he creates the narration, it just becomes a bit unrealistic, enhanced, if you will. Um, How about just the truth? Because in in the piece, maybe he thinks everyone's stupid. But I don't think you people out there are stupid. I think you got brains in your head. I think that you're going to figure for yourself uh, instead of someone just feeding you something to listen to and believe automatically because it's on a video and because they're telling you. But I think you have your own eyes and your own brain, your own judgment to say, wait a minute, does that ring true or does that not ring true? When he said that there are no fighters like Better BF. Listen, I love Better BF. That's pretty obvious. I love the guy. I admire the guy. I respect the guy in every which way, inside and outside the ring. But there's no, I, I know it's your guy. I know that you got to enhance it because you're howling for your meal, because you're making a living on the network and you got to build them up and for top rank. I, all right, I understand. But no other fighters like Better Beef. Ken, last I checked, there's a few other guys out there that can punch and that are aggressive, that are tough. In a way, the great fighter from J- Japan. I, I, he's a little similar. Even if you want to just a- stick with light heavyweight, there was a guy called Devander Holyfield. Is Better Beef like classes above him? I mean, you can go I mean, down I the mean, list. I think, there's a whole I, bunch I of guys think, that are just like him. I, 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 I think there was a... I, listen, I love Better Beef again. I love him. But... But, I mean, are, are you serious that uh, there's nobody else? I'll I tell you one that was just like him, but he got old. He got old. 
like they all do. Triple G. Yep. He was very similar to him. I mean, exactly. you know. Uh, always a gentleman. Uh, always a gentleman on the mic handles his business. But one thing that I was happy about is um, they had Bernardo on the call. Bernardo Asuna. I've always liked him. He's just a nice guy. I I don't get the impression, and uh, may, maybe you have a different opinion, but I don't get the impression he's ever trying to be anyone that he's not. He just gets in there, acts like a professional, yeah. says what he sees. He's not like too loud. He's not like Joe Tess. Every fight is Ali Frazier. He's not trying to like reinvent the wheel or create a catchphrase with every single fight like okay yeah, you know no, I, i'm with you all right um I'm, yeah okay I'm so they're you. talking uh bevo better bf next i mean i, I gotta tell you speaking uh picking up on what i said earlier is better bf looked like he was maybe slowing down a step or if yard looked just better than we expected after watching the fight i think i i lean much heavier towards bevo winning that fight because I think, and, and again, this is just my layman's opinion. I'm just a fan like everyone who's listening, even regardless of how hardcore you think you are. Um, from a, from a, your regular Ken the Boxing fan, it looks to me like Beevil's at kind of at the top of his game, as sharp as he's ever been in his last two performances. And I want to get your opinion. If you think better be of slowing or he's just fighting to the level of competition, which I think he's done in the past, and he always seems. Well, he's to- slowing down. No, okay. like I said earlier, Kenny, he, he he's slowing down. Am I seeing and he's that cutting correctly? Up, that he's cutting up easier, yeah. and he's thirty-eight years old. He's had three hundred amateur fights, as I said earlier. Uh, a lot of tough fights in the pros. He, he, listen, he's um, you know, he's aging. Nobody beats Father Time. After the fight this weekend, I know you had Bevel in a slight with a slight advantage. After the fight against Yardi, do you have Bevel as a bigger favorite or or closer to even after this uh, latest outing from Better Bev? I never will rule out Better Bev. He's got power. Completely he's got agree. Character. But if you had to and, make and a he's line, got pride. But, had to make but, a line yeah, before I, and after. Listen, uh, yeah, I, I got, I got, <laughs> I got Bevel. I got Bevo a, a solid favorite for me. Yeah, my line's going to be different than someone else's, but for me, yep. I got I got him a solid favor that I I go I go all the way out like I always go all the way out on on the on the limb. Um, I, I I mean it's, I'm not going to stop now at this point in my life. Uh, I I think he probably I think there's a good chance he stops him late in the fight, either by cuts or by just an endless barrage of punches where you know better be if he's not the he's not a defensive wizard right i think that's fair um where there'd be a steady barrage of combinations where finally the the referee uh, would probably have to stop it or his corner would have to stop it i think there's i think there's a chance um that the fight could go down that kind of road where that could be you know that could be what you wind up seeing um, if the fight ever happens, uh, I think that it definitely could go that way. I think the jab would be important. Uh, obviously, Bivol's going to use that jab. Uh, I think the jab, we should not underestimate the jab of better beef. It's very hard. It's like a foam pole. Uh, George Foreman had a foam pole uh, jab. Well, I think then, let me... I think that... Um, 
Yes, I have a fax machine, <laughs> you guys. I am a caveman. More and, importantly um, than having a fax machine, yes, I have a fax machine, and no, I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> I don't know. I think I do, and I don't, and I, I need help. And people out there, if you haven't noticed, I need help. I need help in a lot of areas. I, I really do. Thank God for my family. Thank God for Ken. Thank God for Rob, for Ian, for, for Brennan, for all my team, for, for Sam here in front. I need help. But um, I do know something about boxing. I'll get back to that <laughs> where I can help myself in that area. And in that area, I would say do not dismiss the importance of the jab. Like I said, George Foreman had a phone pole jab. Well, better be if has, it's not as long as, her, as big and long as a phone pole, but it's a, it's a shorter version of a sledgehammer. He, he's, he's got a hard accurate jab he would have to use that too to keep better be of just to keep him honest to keep him from dominating the outside which is what he's going to try to do to to keep him from pot shotting him too much which is what he's going to wind up doing if he gets his way you know uh to keep a little control of that geography or try to control that geography that space um the best that he can uh, early on and he's gonna have to go to the body he's gonna have to find a way to get close enough to go to the body of of bivol and bivol's gonna do what he does he's gonna control range he's gonna he's gonna be consistent that's the key he's gonna be consistent he's gonna be mentally consistent which most fighters against better be if they're not they get intimidated they get broken down you know they get dissipated they get evaporated he's not gonna get evaporated that's the key that's the big thing. That that really is the big thing with him. Like I said earlier, he's a Terminator too, but he's a Terminator, you know, that's more sophisticated. You know, he turns into liquid metal. And I think uh, he'll use his legs as much as he has to, but to the point where not too much. He'll be set. He'll use his legs, but more to get ahead of, better be of to get out there to control the range to get out where he creates space where he can then catch better be of make him pay a price for the real estate he's going to have to try to make up and be set to punch so he won't move too much he'll be he'll be moving but he'll be set to punch at the same time and um being able to have offense a lot of guys move and they survive against better be of but they can't win because they're not able to create offense moving that much but the thing about Bivol, he will be move and at the same time be able to create offense along the way while he's doing it without giving up defense. And that's important. That's important what I just said there. Uh, I, I, I don't know if the fight will happen but, um, because there's a guy named Canelo in the mix there that will probably try to get Bivol to come down to 168, which I would hate to see happen. I would hate to see happen. He's a light heavyweight. Don't make him come down there for the money. And 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 they probably will. But but that's going to compromise him a little bit if he's got to come down there for the money at 168. I want to see Canelo wants to, he's got the pride. He wants to make up for that loss. All right, fight him at the weight that he is, that you fought him the first time when you under, when you underrated him. All right, when you underrated him, you did. Uh, fight him at, at his weight, which is 175, light heavyweight. Do that if you're going to do it. If you're going to do it. Or if you're not going to do that, stay at 168 and fight Benavides. And then I really, I take my hat off. I take my hat off to you. I really will if you do that. 
but don't say you're the best 168 pounder in the world even uh if if you can't beat the other best 168 pounder in the world uh a guy named Benavides so and and I and Benavides I know he's fighting plant I think he's going to go through plant I like plant um but I I just think that that fight for plant against Benavides Benavides too big too strong uh you know he's also got uh, he's got a great amateur background, you know, uh, in his in his in his life, in his history, in his blood. Uh, I I think that fight's gonna be kind of like going down the shore, Ken. You know, I know you go down the shore every once in a while. You go down the shore and you and you just sit there at the dock of the bay and you watch the high tide come in. I I think that's what you're gonna be watching in that fight. You're just gonna be waiting to see when the high tide comes in, and maybe it's gonna be three, four, five rounds, six. But in that fight, Plant and Benavides, the high tide's gonna come in. The high tide's gonna come, and when it comes in, what do you do? You get off the dock. You get off the dock. You go to your house. Well, guess what? Yeah, you get off the beach. Plant's gonna. Plant's gonna be washed away. There it is. Plant. Plant's gonna get washed off the beach. That's the problem. I hope he's he, gonna get like washed. You said, like you said, we both no, really I like, like Caleb. But but I that's how I feel. Yeah. And yeah. um the truth is the you truth. You know, and and well the truth is important course, in this business, in this world. And you don't I, get it all the and time. And I know and I know Caleb Planton, if he hears this and I he, and I know he will and he should feel this way, like I'm gonna prove you guys wrong and I'm gonna show you who yeah, I am. And, and good. I hope he does. Bring it. And I want him to. I, I want him to good, yep. beautiful. I would like them to, but anyway, that's pretty much my 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 two cents, that's three cents, story four cents, five cents. To yeah, it. well, that's my story. Like the great Jack Newfield, my <laughs> friend who I miss every day. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, and then, and then you got less serious stuff. But and listen, I I don't want to mock it. I I know you're gonna take me there. I don't want to mock it because anyone gets in the ring, I ain't mocking them. I ain't mocking him. I'm not. I'm not. And and I have a lot of respect for Jake Paul. What he's done and the way he's done it, he's trained hard to become the best fighter he can be. And he's a work in progress and he's still working. He's still working. He's still trying to be better. You're stealing and, my and, thunder, Teddy. Hold on. I, 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 I want to tell no, you. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. I want to tell you. Teddy, let's get to the fight that the whole boxing world is talking okay. about. Let's cut the BS. Fury, You're you sick. Right. Nope. Bevel better better Bevel versus better be of nope. We all want to know Teddy Jake Paul Tommy Fury who wins why and how. Well, they gave you a little. Uh, I know, I know, you're just dying to hear this one, um, and and uh, and you represent the fans out there. <laughs> one quick thing: ESPN's going to air the fight, so I loved loved hearing them throw it to the studio to ESPN and hearing the analysts at ESPN and the fighters have to talk about Jake Paul in glaring and glowing terms because you know it killed them to do it. But, hey, and we've had Jake on the show, uh, and I've said it, and you've said it. Like, hey, congratulations. He's entertaining us. He's making money. So what? He's getting in the ring and fighting for money. And listen, the promoters out there in boxing ain't giving us the fights we want anyway. Exactly. So so he's, you know, he's keeping it active. He's (laughs) taking advantage of an empty spot there, uh, empty space there. But even the purists now, ESPN has to, like, they're over there banging the drum like Jake Paul, and they're talking about him in, like, First, he wins Sports Illustrated Fighter of the Year. Now ESPN is doing segments in between, like, big oh, prize great. fights. So it's it's kind of like, uh, 
It's a, yeah, it's a weird Twilight question. Zone moment that we have going on here. But hey, congratulations to Jake. He's putting it. Oh, he's putting man. butts Let's, in seats and generating and revenue. Like and said, that's what it matters. That's all that matters. You don't like it, don't and, watch. I like it. And to your point, the way that you built this up, you know, who who wants to see Crawford Spence? Please, <laughs> exactly. please. That was brilliant, Ken. You're right. <laughs> Who wants to? You got the pulse on the on the boxing <laughs> fan out there. Who wants to see that? Who wants to see that shenanigans? <laughs> that charade. Nobody. They want to see this, and and in true fashion, true WWE fashion, because it shows you WWE is still alive and well. Where they. They brought you. They brought him in the ring. They put him face to face. I mean, really? It's actually come pretty on. funny. I mean, come on. I mean, that was right up there with Hulk Hogan, you know, and Rowdy Piper. Remember them? Remember <laughs> Rowdy close. Piper Ro and Hulk Rowdy, Hogan? Rowdy Piper. Oh, there it is. With the, you know, and he wore the kilts. Hey, you got to be tough to wear kilts. You got to be tough to wear kilts. Saw Jim Duggan. Um, Randy Savage, Coco Randy Savage, <laughs> Andre the Giant, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> we could do a whole. There he is. Who can come up with oh. the like most obscure wrestling? Yeah, name. let's keep going. Let's Bahu keep going. Daniels, um, the British Bulldogs, the, the British Bulldogs. <laughs> What was the guy? What was that crazy guy that used to lick you? <laughs> uh, Georgie the Animal Steel. Uh, Georgie the Animal, yeah, the yeah. He, he had a green tongue. Calhouns. He had a green tongue. A green <laughs> tongue. Green freaking tongue. How about? How about? What? Who was the guy that was like dead? What? What was the his Undertaker. name? The Undertaker. The <laughs> Undertaker. Triple H. Stone Cold Steve Austin. You got him all. Speaking of wrestling, guys, there was uh, actually a pretty good it. move. Pretty good moment in, I don't watch wrestling, but I saw the highlights all over the internet. Uh, Logan Paul was in, a, I, 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 excuse me for not knowing this stuff, but I think it was a Royal Rumble. A bunch of guys in the ring. You got to throw the other guys out of the ring. But at one point, Teddy, there's a guy called Ricochet who was really acrobatic, and he was on one side, not in the corner, just in the middle of the ropes. He was on one side. Logan Paul was on the other. They both, at the same exact time, simultaneously, jumped up on the top rope, launched themselves at each other, collided in midair. They had to be about seven feet off the canvas, collided. What was this, Ken? This, I didn't this weekend, it. chest to chest, and then just both crashed to the canvas. I, When I was watching it, I saw it, and I called my kids in, and I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, can you imagine the writers? Like, all right, guys, here's what you're going to do. I want you to jump as high as you can, smash into each other, and <laughs> land on the canvas. Uh, buddy, but if I do that, like, one of us might actually really get hurt. Ah, don't worry about that. It's all for entertainment. You wonder, like, where do they draw the yeah, line? Yeah, Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob would take care of it. <laughs> exactly. He'll, he'll compensate you. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. You talk about the... You, you, you go and there'll be a new one. You know what the new one is? You know what the new one will be? The Invisible Man. <laughs> yeah, Listen, real quick. We're going to just decapitate you real quick. But don't worry about it. We're going to put your head right back on. Oh, here it is. So no, Ron, Ron it just is. pulled there it up. Is. Look at this, Teddy. Huh. Oh, my goodness. I mean, where do you wow. draw the line? Like, guys, just launch Whoa. yourself into each other. What wow. if our what if our heads <laughs> hit each other? Don't worry about that. Be a man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's pretty <laughs> aerobatic. That's pretty uh, acrobatic. Uh, acrobatic. That's pretty. Um, wow. That's um, they should bring them out for the Eagles. And let them fly, <laughs> you know, before the Super Bowl. Fly, let them, eagles fly. Uh, put put feathers on them, 
right? One you more know. for you, Terry. The great Kabuki. The great Kabuki. All right, Mr. you got them all. Mr. Your, Fuji. Son, your kids are going to be very proud of you. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got you got them all, and but I think the 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 real great one, greatest of them all was was probably Hulk Hogan. Oh, the Hulkster, of course. And Andre the Giant. Andre, Andre the Giant. Oh, wait a minute. How could we forget the Iron Sheik? The Iron Sheik. I mean, yeah. did that guy ever play a role? The Iranian, the wrestler, the the the, the like hardcore like communist type character yeah, yeah, he with was, the mustache. <laughs> he was good. He yeah. was he was Sheiky he baby. Was before Sheiky his time. baby. He was, he was before his time. I have a feeling yeah, yeah. Uh, from what I heard, the 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 old Sheikster, he wasn't afraid to do a little uh drinking in uh Peruvian marching powder, if you know what I mean. He'd like to get after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why you don't see the Sheik no more. Um, that's why you're not going to be seeing him no more. Yeah. We'll be seeing him no more. Uh, <laughs> hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? Yeah, you won't be seeing him anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be seeing him uh, no you more. Said I mean, that's that. You said a few uh, things. Yeah. We'll be, that's that. <laughs> um, and, and that's the end of that one. Um, Tommy Fury um, and, and Jake Paul. Teddy, for me... Jake Paul is takes after like the great uh, Floyd Mayweather to a certain extent. Some of the other greats, like uh, I don't want to pick on anyone, but they know, like Canelo. Let's say they know how to pick their opponents. I gotta believe. Yeah, I've said that before. Uh, Listen, I've said that on his air. Listen, he. What I was gonna say is uh, he he almost studies. Give him credit. He's been pursuing Tommy for so long. He's chasing him to Saudi Arabia. I gotta believe Jake sees something that he can get Tommy out of there. I well, I said it before. He's very, he, he's almost been an understudy of the great Floyd Mayweather, really. Yeah. And that's a p positive thing. Where he, we're not talking about as a fighter. We're talking about in this business, as a businessman, as a matchmaker, as a manager, uh, just as a smart, calculating man. Uh, Jake Paul has been every bit of Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, I know some people get crazy and I could care less. But, I'm not talking about him in the ring to, to the level of a guy who fought and won a bronze medal in the Olympics and a guy who's been fighting since he's seven years old, a guy who had 200 amateur fights, a guy who's won all kinds of world titles in Floyd Mayweather. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about, yeah, Floyd was very smart in picking his opponents and, and just a genius businessman. And Jake Paul is very smart at picking opponents, and he's a genius businessman. And give him credit. Give him credit, damn it. It's the American way. Uh, I mean, and he's also, as I said, I don't have a problem with because he went, got a trainer, he worked his backside off to become the best fighter he could, and he's still doing it. He's still doing it. He's still trying to get better. He's, you know... Uh, He's never going to be a world-class fighter. We, we understand that. But he's going to be the best he can be. And he's trying to be the best he can be. He respected the sport enough to go about it the right way. And yeah, he's careful. He's picking up. But there's still risk. There's still risk. He deserves respect. And there's still a risk when he gets in that freaking ring. He's getting in there with real people that throw real punches. Now, to break down this fight with Tommy Fury... Tommy Fury's is Tommy Fury. He picked them for a reason. He picked them for a reason, and they're selling it. They're making each other antagonists and all that stuff. You know, they're doing the WWE stuff, all of that. 
Uh, you got the British fans over there that that add to it, that that bring more noise to it, more attention to it, all of that. But Fury, he's a guy who's obviously been fighting longer. He comes from the Fury family. He he's obviously had more experience. Um, you know, he's he's been around boxing most of his life. Uh, he knows how to look like a fighter. I don't know if he knows how to fight like a fighter, but he knows how to look like a fighter. I know that Paul, and people are going to go nuts with this, and no one else would go down this road. Nobody. They wouldn't even know how. But Jake Paul is learning how to behave like a fighter. He really is. And I don't know that Tommy Fury completely knows that yet, at least not from what he's been in there with. I mean, I'm going to put it in context. I'm going to put it out there the right way. The combined records, Tommy Fury is 8-0, okay? And he's got four knockouts. Um, the combined records of all of his eight opponents, Ken, is, is you ready? You ready, Ken? All right. 24 wins, 176 losses, and five draws. That's the combined record of all of Tommy Fury's. And look, there's other fighters out there that do it that way too till they get to a real fight. They, but those are guys that have been in real fights in the amateurs, and and that that have been you know that that have something going for them in that world before they take their first fights where they they're careful and where they pick the right guys. That happens in boxing all the time. He ain't the first guy to do it, so I'm gonna put that out there too. But that's that's the proper that's the fact. He's twenty. They're 24, 176, and 5. The records of his combined 8 opponents. And four of them had no wins. Had zero wins. And again, there's been other fighters out there that built. But then they eventually fight real fighters. And, and they've been in there with real fighters. Before that, with the amateurs, I said it already. I, I, I laughed. Jake Paul, you know, is doing his thing. He's a promoter. He's a promoter's dream. He knows how to do it. And it was, he said, hey, when they were face-to-face, Ken, he says to Tommy Fury, you fought nothing but cab drivers, taxi drivers. <laughs> I, I would add something to that. They're very bad taxi drivers. They don't even have a license. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they're, not, they're not tough taxi drivers. There's some tough taxi drivers. See, Greg Haugen years ago, a real fighter, world champion, beat Vinny Pazienza, a real fighter. Real, a world champ. Greg Haugen was getting ready to fight the great Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. Great fighter. One of the greatest Mexican fighters. One of the greatest junior lightweights, lightweights of all time. Period. He was getting ready to fight him. And Chavez had, you know, 100 fights or 80 fights. Whatever the heck it was at that point. Whatever it was, it was a lot. And, and his early fights were in Mexico where a lot of people didn't know who he was fighting. So Haugen, being a smart guy, a, a witty guy, trying to promote the fight, said, yeah, you fought nothing but cab drivers. You fought nothing. He said the same thing. <laughs> you fought nothing but cab drivers. And then, of course, Chavez took him apart. And Chavez <laughs> stopped him. And, but to Haugen's credit, to his credit, he got beat up. He took his beating. And then at the press conference, the post-fight press conference, he didn't disappear. He didn't hide. You know what he said, Ken? When one of the writers 
you know, how writers are. They went up to him and they said, hey, what do you have to say now about, you know, Chavez fought a bunch of cab drivers? He said, I stick to it. The only difference, they were tough cab drivers. (laughs) 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 They were tough cab drivers. So that's the difference here for me. Fury hasn't fought tough cab drivers. He has not fought tough cab drivers. Now, watching what I had to do to get ready to break this down, watching the tape and everything else to do my job the right way, Fury knows how to fight. He knows how to look like a fighter. I don't know if he, again, I'll say it again. I don't know if he knows how to fight like a fighter when the moment comes, if that moment comes. But he knows how to look. He reminds me of a guy you would hire for a TV movie to, to look like a fighter. Yeah. yeah, he's good looking. He's got a great build on him. Everything else. I wonder, you know, whatever. I wonder if they're going to do testing. Seriously. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. I, want, I just wonder. I wonder if they're going to do testing. I can tell you right now, the chances are slim to none. They might do, they might do the typical BS of like, oh, we're going to test you six or eight weeks out. But again, like we've talked about, those are intelligence tests at that point. You need 365, 24-7 to establish some baselines to test against, certainly for, um, you know, some of the performance enhancers that increase uh, endurance. No, probably. But listen, Fury, I don't know. I'm not accusing him of anything either one. I'm not. I'm just saying. I just threw that out there. Now, Fury looks the part. He's, he's got a great body on him. He's a handsome kid. And he knows how to throw punches. He knows how to look like a fighter. Let me just finish Sorry, this. Sorry, he No, no. I And then you jump in. He he knows how to look the part and, and with the guys that he's fought. Uh, you know, he knows how to, you know, move around, put the punches together, whatever. He's not a puncher. He's not physical. As much as he's got a good build on he's not physical. He's not physically strong. Um He's, he's, he's not a banger at all. And, I mean, if he was, he would have knocked out all these guys, to be honest with you. I mean, with the guys that I just talked about with giving their records. So that, that kind of speaks to itself right there. Uh, he's not, he's not that, that guy. He is a guy, again, not trying to knock him, but he's a guy that if I was doing a movie, I'd hire him to look like a fighter uh, in, a, in a movie. But this ain't a movie. Now, I said it early, Jake Paul, he's, you know, he's not going to become, you know, uh, one of the great fighters that in, in the sport of boxing, but he's gradually becoming better, better and better. And one thing that he is, he's serious about it, but he's one other thing. He's physically strong. He's a pretty good right-hand puncher, and he's physically strong. Fury's not physically strong. Aha, that's, I think that's why he picked him. He's not stupid. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he thinks he can use his physicality, and I think he thinks he's mentally tougher. I think he thinks, and, I, and he might be right. I, I think might, he's right in that department. I might agree with him. I, right now, with, with the little bit that I have to work on of evidence, you know, body of evidence I have to work on, I would say prob- maybe he is, he, that he's more determined, he, he's a little tougher mentally. I I. He's been tested enough, um, uh, uh, Jake Paul, to show me that he does have mental toughness. I, I haven't gotten a chance to see it with the other guy. Maybe he does. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So I'm going to go with what I've seen, with what I know so far. And in that way, I'm going to go with Jake Paul, a little tougher mentally, definitely stronger physically. He's going to make it a fight. He should try to get a small ring, which I'm sure he will. And he will try to make it a fight 
where he can impose his physical advantage, his physicality onto Fury and get it to become the kind of fight where his mental toughness can show itself, yeah. can, 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 can show through and can really make a difference in the fight. And, and steer the fight in his direction. Yep. So I'm going to, I don't care what people say, I'm going to pick Jake Paul. I know people are dying to hear this. <laughs> I know you're out there, you've been, you're, you've been dying to hear who does Teddy Atlas <laughs> think is going to win between Jake Paul and Tommy Fury. The fight of the century. The fight of the century or so around there. <laughs> and I think that Paul will beat him. I think he will stop him late in the fight and use a hard jab, press the fight with a hard jab, go to the body, uh, be able to deal with the quickness, the swiftness, the sophistication of Fury early on where Fury can put punches together, can move around, but will eventually close the gap on him. He's going to have to learn how to cut the ring down. I'm sure they're going to work on that. Cut the ring down, make it a phone booth, and again, get to Fury in the areas where he has an advantage over Fury, mentally and physically stronger, and be able to, once again, prove some of the critics wrong that, that say that he can't do it. You know, And again, I don't know if he does wind up beating Fury, what he really beat. <laughs> you know, other than he beat a guy that did have more boxing, uh, time in boxing than he did and more of a boxing background than he did. How's that, Ken? That's as thorough as you like. couple things. First of all, I'm sure with regards to the ring size, Jake Paul's going to have every advantage. He's the A side. He's the money guy in this fight. No question about that. Tommy Fury... Um, in his last fight uh, <clears throat> against Anthony, Ta oh, one of his last fights at An against Anthony Taylor in Cleveland, I thought his gas tank was very suspect. I think the moment might have gotten to him a little. Who knows? Um, but Jake Paul now has made the walk six times. I think that I think that go walking to fight Tyron Woodley is more intimidating than um, getting in there with Tommy Fury. The only thing I say, I I'll agree with you on the um with the record. Yeah, he's fought. He's the guys he's fought to date have all been like this. But I would argue with very few exceptions, um, Vasily Lomachenko being one of them, and even t uh, Tim Bradley acknowledged this on the uh, ESPN broadcast, 90% of these guys are fighting these pros as they're coming up with very few exceptions. I said that. No, Ken, I, I said I, that I know, already. I, know, I, know. I said that. Uh, I made sure I said it before I went down that road. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm going to get... What's good, what's good for the goose is good yep. for the ganta. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Boxing is full of these, uh, of this fluff on records, yeah. of, of this cannon fodder uh, on records. Full of them. And that's full what I was going to just agree but, with you But there, they but eventually fight real fighters and they come from a place a real place where even though they're fighting these kind of set-up fights, they're coming from a place where most of these guys that we're talking about that become top fighters, they had they had 200 amateur fights against top competition in the world, in the Olympics, in international competition, where they fought real fights, where real fighters, where they have steeled themselves, forged themselves into... A real fighter and now 
because they're being managed the way they're being managed by the promoters with the money and with the power. They're, they're, they're being given, you know, soft diet of guys, like a liquid diet of guys early on, so they become 10-0 with 10 knockouts, 8-0 with 8 now. That's what I was going to get to is the record's one thing, the pro record is kind of par for the course, but more importantly is, like you said, those guys also, a lot of them had massive amateur records and i just don't know what tommy's record is but i know at light heavy when you're on a soft diet and you're eight and oh with only four stoppages not the best look for a light heavyweight certainly not especially not only four stoppages four only four with the resume that i just wrote with the with with the with the guys the menu the menu. Teddy, one of the guys I, he knocked out was 0 and 11. Another guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, the, uh, the guys that he stopped, 0 and 9, 0 and 11. But Anyone who had more than a friggin' one fight, one win, he, he didn't couldn't stop. stop him. I think. Well, I said four of his fights were against yeah. guys with no wins. Yeah, yeah. So no, you're right. Uh, I guess uh, I'm just so, reiterating what you say, but I think like when we look at it this closely on our magnifying glass, I think Jake Paul's gonna kill him. And I think it's also funny that Tyson and John Fury. It'll be interesting. Tyson and John Fury told him if he loses, don't well, come home from uh, Saudi Arabia. I mean, that was funny. Yeah. That was good. It, it, that was good. But that's Fury. <laughs> See, that's the great promoter there. I mean, he's the real fighter. He's the, one of the heavyweight champs of the world, Tyson Fury. But but he's a great promoter, and he said the right thing. That was great. That was funny. And maybe that'll be incentive for his brother, <laughs> because yeah, like you said, he said, "Hey, if you lose, stay stay in the desert. <laughs> stay 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 there in Saudi Arabia." You know, start 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 pumping oil. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's also over there, uh, you know, buddy buddy with Jake Paul promoting it. Almost like you know, it's almost like when the cameras are on, they're like, "We're gonna kill you, Jake." And then the minute the cameras are off, he's like doing podcasts with Jake Paul and like buddy buddy with them going out for drinks. But I like Tyson Fury. He knows how to play the game. It's almost like he's like a great politician. He'll say what what did, what, did, what did they say? What did, what's his, Hyman Roth saying to Godfather? It's not personal. It's business. That's it. It's it's all business. That's it. It's all business, <laughs> my friend. It's all business. That's it. Well, all business. Well, we got uh, the Black Beast back in uh, action next weekend. Derek Lewis. I thought. I think I'm, last week I might have said it was this that. week, yeah. but uh, it's next week. He's fun. So, he's fun. He's 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 got dynamite in his fist. He he doesn't know how to fight too good, but man, he knows how to bring it. He knows how to behave like a fighter, and he knows how to swing. Uh, from the bleachers, and he knows if he connects that you're going to sleep. Um, but but his he comes up short, obviously in the technical areas. But he makes up for it. He makes up for it with power, and and just with just with the excitement that he brings every time he gets in the cage, where people are anticipating knockouts. You know, people want to see that. They, it's like it's like going to the baseball park where you know. You might appreciate good pitching, but you're really there to see a home run. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 and that's when you go in to watch Lewis. That's what you're going to see. You're going to see something go over the fence. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Teddy, that was a pretty thorough breakdown for a slow weekend. It was good to uh, oh, touch good. on a little bit of everything. We got the football, the boxing. We got the preview. A UFC was off this weekend, so we got a little break there. So. Derek Lewis next weekend, a couple small fights on next weekend. Uh, Amanda Serrano in action. Always love watching Amanda Serrano. Uh, she's she's all excited. Uh, she's all, a good puncher. She knows how she nice knows person. how to fight. 
Yeah, she knows how to fight. Yep. She's very physically strong. She's got a style that's pleasing to fans. Yes. That's fan friendly. Yep. She's coming forward. She's a good puncher. What's there not to like about wanting to watch her? Yeah, I hundred percent agree. But that was uh that was fun. Teddy, thank you for doing this. Appreciate you as always to the fans. Thanks for being with us. Please subscribe to the show. Get some athletic greens. Continue to uh, be nice to each other. And uh, you got anything else, Teddy, before we say goodbye? No, just uh, goodbye. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody. Stay safe out there. See you next week.